Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha, and... (laughs) I was waiting for the end. And Ashley! Yay, we did it! What a time to be alive. I tell you, my computer hates me and it just kept reloading and loading and loading. And I just thought it was a really good metaphor. Okay. It's a really good metaphor for this time in this season. Well, mamas, today uh, we have the opportunity, uh, you know, on the podcast, we sometimes interview experts or we have the opportunity to interview incredible Nikki mamas just like yourselves. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. So, Jamie, this is a really special episode for us because we got to first meet you at our very first ever uh, celebration photo shoot. Uh, We were referred to you by a a mutual dear friend. And when we kind of told her our vision for this shoot, she immediately was like, you need to meet Jamie. (laughs) And it was really special because, you know, both Martha and I's kiddos were still infants. Like Silas, I think, had just gotten out of the NICU pretty much a couple months ago. Martha's daughter was still under a year old. And so seeing your kids and seeing the relationship that you have with your twins when they were, I think they were 16 at the shoot. They were, yes. Yeah. And so seeing all of that was just like so hope filled for us because sometimes when you're so newly discharged from the NICU, it's hard to even envision the next day and Mm -hmm. the next milestone. And so it was just amazing to meet you. And then you also just recorded this beautiful, stunning letter that had us all crying by the end of it. (laughs) And so we just instantly connected with you. We felt very mothered by you at the shoot. And so this has been an episode long time coming. We wanted to do this for a long time. So thank you so much for making time for it. And we just know that your story is going to inspire and be so hope-filled for so many moms. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I um, the, the sentiment is mutual. It was an instant bond when I um, recognized the kind of mothers that you and Martha definitely were um, mm-hmm. both amazing and yet just a little bit vulnerable. And I remember mm-hmm. that feeling all, all too well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it truly is an honor to be here today, more so mm-hmm. than um, you can ever imagine. And the emotions start already. <laughs> you know, we, have a, we have a very beautiful thing, and I choose to, to honor that beautiful thing of being a mm-hmm. NICU mom. Um, yeah. And I am excited to, to share my story. Yes. Oh, I'm already crying over here. It's gonna be, <laughs> this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I love it. So we know that you're a NICU mom. Yes. But what our listeners do not know is that you are a twins NICU mom. So um, like most twin pregnancies, sometimes they can be considered high risk or you're monitored more closely. So how was your pregnancy with the twins overall? What was your pregnancy like leading up to their delivery? Right. Yeah. Um, You know, it was, it started out quite normal. Um, but I would say, you know, around week 20, we had our ultrasound that you typically have. Everything looked good, was going well, growth was good. A few weeks after that, um, just started not feeling quite right and be mindful. I'm a first time mom, I'm Mm -hmm. young, and I don't know what it's like to feel like potentially be having contractions or going into labor because you are not expecting that at that moment. Right. So I uh, had gone to an appointment and they agreed that I was probably hopefully having what they defined as Braxton Hicks at the time, despite mm-hmm. the fact that it was so early in my pregnancy. It was probably about week 23. Um, mm-hmm. And they did put me on bed rest for a short while at that time. Um, didn't last too long. I felt great after that. Everything was going um, really well again. So I guess the alarm, if you will, of anything going wrong had kind of been removed at that Mm -hmm. time. Um, Fast forward a few more weeks, and I can actually remember exactly that it was a Thursday, 
And mm-hmm. my husband had about a 20 minute commute from school to our house. He was a teacher at the time. And he got home and I was on the phone with the doctor and he had heard me saying that I thought that maybe I was having a, a bladder infection because mm-hmm. of the, the pain and the, um, the back pain and the, the pain would come and go and mm-hmm. say it out loud now as an experienced mom. And you're like, well, <laughs> but again, I, you know, I yep. have to give myself that grace that I just yes. didn't know what was happening at the time. And they recommended that I go ahead and, and head to the, the doctor at that time, just so we could make sure, get things checked out. It was about four o'clock that afternoon. And, and I say four o'clock because timing is everything when you're yeah. in premature labor, you know, you kind of live by that, that minute and that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we made our way to, to uh, Fairview Southdale and the journey started the journey. We had no idea we were about to embark on, but it started. Right. And so when you got checked, did they confirm like you're in active labor or what was kind of your introduction to, oh, wow, I'm, this is happening. Right. Yeah. Um, My first thought happened when I got on the elevator and I was a little out of sorts because I didn't know where I was. It wasn't my exact hospital that I normally at. And I had a nurse look at me and she said, are you in labor? And I said, Oh. oh my goodness. I, I hope not. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. And she said, I think we need to get you upstairs. And to be honest with you, that was the fo- first moment that I even contemplated yeah. that this could be something that was, was happening. And as quickly as I thought of it was pretty much gone from my mind, because again, mm. this doesn't happen. You don't go right. into labor at 26 right. weeks. That's not, right. you go into labor at 40 weeks when you're ready right. to have your babies. So right. I, it, the thought left my mind as quickly as it came. And we got up there and I, I was checked and, you know, they could say things didn't look right, but they also felt that they were going to be able to control it and stop mm-hmm. it, be it with some medication, some bed rest. And I remember saying, and this is going to date me, I remember saying, well, am I going to be home by seven? Because it's the season finale of Friends. And I really oh my God. watch it. <laughs> and the nurse looked at me and she goes, I think we can get you home by seven. You're going to be just fine. Now, keep in mind, we didn't have TiVo, Netflix, all of those kind of things. Like if you missed the episode. Missed right. It. So I was thinking that this was going to be a quick doctor's visit. We were mm-hmm. going to, you know, be told, get some rest, go back on bed rest. Um, and we'll see you in a week or so. Well, unfortunately, things escalated pretty quickly. And those Mm. contractions kicked up a little bit higher and faster. Mm. Um, And I was told that I was going to definitely be spending the night and Mm. we were going to be evaluated throughout the night. Um, Mm. Come the next morning, it was clear that I was in a situation that needed to have a little bit more care than what they could give me. So I was transferred to Abbott Northwestern in the cities, which had Mm. a um, children's hospital connected Mm. to it. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the doctor looking at me and saying, we need to get you somewhere where we can take care of both you and your babies. Mm. And again, I allowed myself that moment of, okay, I think I need to start thinking differently. I think I need to recognize that I am in a situation that I never imagined that Mm. I would be in. Right. And had you known any family or friends who had had premature deliveries or was this completely new to your radar? This was so new. Hmm. This was so foreign to us. Um, I am blessed beyond measure with an incredible husband who was by my side through it Hmm. all. And we just kept looking at each other and looking at each other that there aren't Mm -hmm. words necessarily at that time because again you're in such unfamiliar territory you're you're a woman who is told she's pregnant and you don't think of things that can happen along the way yeah thankfully i didn't have to think of those things until they were put in front of me so Mm -hmm. in our mind we were just you know we were going down this nice narrow path of life and we just the fork in the road came and we didn't have the choice but to take it. So right. you're, you're, you're in a very surreal moment. 
because mm-hmm. of how early we were with yeah. what was happening in our pregnancy. And unfortunately, yeah. you're faced with a very harsh reality of yeah. this isn't this isn't this isn't normal. Yeah, this isn't okay. This isn't what you want or hope for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have a lot of emotions to process. You have a lot of pieces of the puzzle that you're just trying to pick up to figure out what's going on here. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, they, they, you get admitted, they say, we're going to need to deliver your babies. And so was your delivery scheduled or was it kind of, we're going to keep watching you or how was your delivery? Right. Um, so we arrived at Abbott on Friday morning and they were still hopeful at the time that they could get, um, steroid shots into me that would help develop the lungs Mm -hmm. of the babies. And the more doses that they could get in, obviously, the greater chance of survival that the babies would have because of the development of those lungs. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, I had to go on some heavy doses of some medication that magnesium sulfate, Mm -hmm. uh, it was something else. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, gosh. It's something. It's something. (laughs) It is something. Um, So I went through three days of that and they were able to get those three really really imperative doses of Mm -hmm. steroids that for us was a win it just because we knew we didn't have a whole lot of wins in the next few days to get us to where Mm -hmm. we needed to be and getting to that point was it was a victory for us and and one we we definitely celebrated um, with that being said, it was very evident that baby A's um, sac had burst and was mm. leaking into me and I was becoming very toxic. Mm. So for the sake of baby A and myself, we knew that we were going to need to deliver. And we had such a beautiful, wonderful human being as a doctor who just mm. sat down with us on Sunday night and she said, we don't have a lot of time to make this decision, but I need you to know that you are in a position where you really need to deliver these babies. You have done everything you can. Your body Mm -hmm. has reacted and done everything you could have asked it to in these three -hmm. days and words, right? Words matter. Words are so important to hear those things just gave you that little bit of, okay, Mm -hmm. probably the strength I needed to, you know, answer her next question, which was, your babies have a 60% chance of survival, (laughs) but we need to deliver them. Mm -hmm. And I just remember looking at her and saying, are you going to be, are you going to be the doctor that's going to deliver them? And she said, I am. And I looked at Troy and he just held my hand and he just said, we're going to give this to God and and we're going to go and we're going to do this. And fortunately we had um, a good, 12 hours to kind of have this moment and this time because they had scheduled my C-section then for that next morning. And one of the most beautiful stories of my NICU journey happened that night. I was, um, you don't sleep much, you know, I was off completely off the magnesium at that time. So I was very well aware of what was going on. And Troy and I were spending time in prayer and we were spending time just reflecting and talking about things. And this most beautiful woman walked in and she said, I'm just going to take care of you. I want to get you, I want to get you cleaned up. I want to get you ready for delivery. And she, you know, gave me a sponge bath and just made me feel really, really beautiful and made me feel really ready to take on the next morning. And Troy was there and, you know, we were all just visiting and we started talking to the nurses the next morning and we just said, you know, is is she still here? Because we just want to thank her for what she did for us. It was just a very beautiful moment for us. And we appreciated that time that she gave us and the opportunity to um, be ready for this moment. And, and they kind of looked at us and they said, but what do you mean? Didn't, didn't you take a shower last night? Didn't you get yourself to this point? And we're like, no, we had this person. And to us, she was of Jamaican descent. We were able to explain her beautifully. And and they said, we don't have anybody on staff that fits that description. And it was that moment where Troy and I recognized that we have 
we had an angel in our minds come and prepare us for this moment. And we're a faith-filled couple. So for us, it allowed us to truly give this moment to God and mm-hmm. relinquish everything we needed to to get through the next moment, which was going to be the delivery of our two babies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jamie, I'm just a mess over here. No, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, but it's, you know, no, it's, it's okay. that you have to share because there's so many pieces in this journey that we go through as women. And if we don't, you know, acknowledge and honor them all, not only will we, you know, forget them or suppress them, but, but we won't celebrate them. And yeah, like I said at yeah. the beginning, it, it's a journey and not all of it is worth celebrating, but there are moments that truly are. Yeah. Wow. I'm just like, I'm truly speechless. I'm just kind of like, ah, I don't even know how to, you know, ask the next question. And I'm just, I'm so taken back by how cared for you were and how just these little moments were so aligned prior to their delivery. And it's just so stunning. It's so beautiful. It is. It is. And it's like I said, it just helped us get to get to that next point, which was a, a C-section. That was the only way that we were going to be able to deliver them. So yeah. obviously they took me back and got me ready and Troy was able to come and it moves quickly at 26 weeks. The C-section yes. is much different than one yeah. we might, you know, see in a full-term pregnancy. Um, and it really was within 20 minutes of getting me back there that baby A was born and we were told that it was a little girl. We did not know what we were having until, until delivery. Um, and heard a little squawk, but that was about it. And then a minute later, our, our son was born. So we were blessed within one minute with our daughter and our son. Wow. And so they're born at 26 weeks. The NICU is a completely new and foreign world to you. And so you go to meet your babies. And what was your first interactions like with them? And what was kind of your introduction to the NICU like? You know, we had missed... We were scheduled to go on our hospital tour and those classes and the, <laughs> yep. the NICU thing that they were going to have you go visit the week after, of course, you know, that sure. happened. In fact, I had got my reminder call. I'm like, well, I don't need to go actually because my babies were born. But yep. you, um, you, as being a first time mom, being very fortunate to not have to have a lot of hospitalizations at all in my own lifetime, nor in my husband's lifetime, it's just foreign in general. Right, so right. Nick you, you know, throwing at you, mm-hmm. um, you have no idea what to expect. And yeah. Yeah. Troy was able to get down with the babies right away. I just had a few complications and some things that just needed to be addressed before I could get down there. So I didn't even get to get down there. Um, maybe a couple hours after they were born. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, that feeling that starts coming that again, and please know when I use the word normal, I'm not stereotyping a pregnancy that makes it to 40 weeks. I'm, I'm, t- I'm referring to normal in my mind, what I thought right, normal right. was going to look like, what I thought right. normal was going to be. And I started getting that feeling of this, again, this isn't normal, this isn't right. And with that, for me, evoked a lot of different emotions, Mm -hmm. some anger, some resentment, some excitement Mm -hmm. of what my normal was going to look like, but a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And and I would say fear and and bitterness right away was what what came to me. So I remember being, I was still on my hospital bed. They had to wheel me Mm -hmm. into the NICU on my hospital bed. Um, and going up to them and, and being frustrated because, because, because this Mm -hmm. isn't normal. This isn't what I'm anticipating. This isn't what I'm expecting. I, I have two babies and they're in these glass boxes. I can't hold them. I can't touch them. I can barely see them. Yeah. I have got other people caring for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy is far more comfortable in the environment than I am because he's already been there for a good three hours. He's become sure. familiar with the sounds. He's met some of the staff. 
and he just has a different sense. And I just wasn't there. So my very first experience was full of all the emotions that you could put into a three to five minute moment. Yeah, right. I'm so grateful that you acknowledged just the amount of emotions that a mom can feel when first experiencing the NICU because I think there can be shame in feeling anything but joy when you first meet your children, right? Because your love for them is instant, right? It's like you see them and you're like so proud of your baby and yet you're also conflicted and feeling all these other things of like, but I want to hold them. I want to touch them. This is not how it was meant to be. And so I'm so grateful that you acknowledge that it's okay and normal to feel all of those things, yeah. right? It's like you're placed in this completely new situation, completely different than everything you envisioned. And it's okay and normal to feel all of it, sometimes all in one minute, right? Right. <laughs> While also while recovering from a major surgery yourself, right? right? It's like you weren't even able to stand yet. (laughs) So um, I resonate with that a lot as I was also wheeled in on my bed and you're trying to like lean over, but it hurts and you're like, oh. Exactly. Yes. So I appreciate you acknowledging just that it's okay to feel all of it. How was their stay overall and what was some of their triumphs and setbacks? We were very fortunate with our NICU stay as far as not having um, a lot of setbacks or a lot. I shouldn't say that. We had a lot of setbacks. We did not have a lot of um, threatening setbacks. Once they were born, um, our biggest, I guess, uh, challenge was typical breathing Mm -hmm. um, and just going through all the different things that you do when you find out you have a uh, a preemie, I guess, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, And for us, the breathing was something that came pretty quickly for our son. Um, By the second day, they had taken him off the ventilator, which was Mm -hmm. really, really exciting and and, um, scary at the Mm -hmm. same time because you recognize what it's doing for your child. You know that that's not what you want it for your child, but you recognize what it's doing. Mm -hmm. And that thought of him doing it on his own was, was quite, quite daunting. Um, And then not understanding, wait a minute, right away, that whole comparison card came out. Well, if, if he can breathe on his own, why can't she breathe on her own? No. And trying to balance that we're, we're dealing with, with twins, but we're dealing with two completely separate human beings and recognizing very early on how different their journeys really are going to be. And like I said earlier, that that whole timeline in the NICU, whether it's a Thursday or whether it's two o'clock or those, those are imprinted with you because at, you know, at two o'clock, our son might've been breathing really well, but two weeks later, it might've taken our daughter to get to that point. And it was just, Mm -hmm. it was always this time, 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 whether it stood still, whether it moved quickly, whether it defined a moment, it's just, you're always caught in this moment of time. Mm -hmm. So we, um, I think it was day two for Cooper, our son, and maybe day four for Lydia, where they Mm -hmm. were um, able to come off the ventilator start the transition into the the CPAP and the hood box and Mm -hmm. all the other pieces that that you go through to learn to breathe on your own. Um, We went through the uh, different testing, uh, learned about all of that. Again, as a first-time mom, you just don't know, are you doing this because my baby is a preemie or are you doing this because I have a baby? Right. Learning as you go, becoming educated and everything that is um, the NICU and that is just having a baby. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And what did you feel like? Because we know we talk to moms all the time about how important it is to really be an as an essential part of your baby's or baby's care in the NICU, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. because it doesn't, like you say, you're a first-time mom. So 
not only is it all new for you, but it's like, oh, okay, am I, am I allowed to change the diaper? Is that okay? You know, right. what was it like for you? Because I feel like every couple of years it evolves, right? And and they work to this place of really integrating families in. But what was your experience like, um, you know, in finding that balance between a caretaker and being a mom? Right. It was tough. It was really tough. And when we think back to 19 years ago, the NICU was much different than what yeah. it is now. And, and I mean, even just in its layout and what yeah. it looked like and then how it, um, I guess, housed all of us. You know, I know a lot of NICUs now, you are often able to have your own room or your own section or an area where you have a chair or a couch to, to be there. And I wonder if that doesn't help just a little bit more with some ownership as yeah. a mom and a parent yeah, um, right. to be able to have that space mm-hmm. kind of be defined as yours. And we had space, but we had a very large room that we shared with four other isolates. For us, we took up two of them, you know, mm-hmm. so we were maybe two of eight or two of 10 or two of six at the time, kind of however it was looking. So not only did you have to figure out how to be a mom, a caregiver, but you also had to figure out how to be a neighbor, if you will. And, then, yeah. and that's a very um, complicated role to play because you want so much to lend your support and your love and your care to the people around you. But you're asked also to be very respectful because their journey is looking much different than than your journey is looking. You know, you're too complete. Yeah. So you're living in this world that's very tight quarters. And you're navigating all these different roles. So I guess that's a long explanation to say. It just, it was tough and it was scary. And it was at that moment that I knew being proactive and being an advocate for your child was going to be the biggest thing I would take away from this experience. And it wasn't for lack of not trusting those around me. It was more so because it was something I could do. Mm-hmm. I could be an advocate for my child. I couldn't nurse them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't hold them. I couldn't comfort them. I couldn't remind them to start breathing right away. The nurses mm-hmm. could do all that. What I could do is I could ask the right questions. I could walk down to the library and read a couple books. And I could educate myself to be able to be that advocate and that support person that that they needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's interesting, Martha, that you ask about, you know, what is it like to be a mom and, and that moment. And the funny thing for me was I fell in love with my babies the moment that they were born. Mm-hmm. I, I bonded with them instantly, which whether you're a NICU mama, a preemie mama, a full-term mama, that isn't always the case. Mm-hmm. But I was very fortunate to have that bond and that mm-hmm. falling in love moment and feeling with them, what I didn't bond with and what it took me a really, really long time, I would say even until after we left the hospital, was bonding with myself as a mom, mm-hmm. allowing myself to be defined as a mom. Yeah. Because I felt like if I gave myself that title, if I found the joy in being a mom. And if something went wrong, God forbid, if I lost one of my babies, if something came up that I couldn't handle, well, if I was a mom, I had to, because that's what you do. But if I didn't identify as that, it might be a little bit easier. Yeah. Again, that doesn't mean I wasn't maternal. That doesn't mean I didn't love them. That doesn't mean I didn't have that bond. It was something inside of me. It was about Mm -hmm. me that I just didn't allow myself to go there. I didn't allow people to congratulate us that we had had babies, you know, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. our journey was so different and it was so scary. Mm -hmm. And giving myself that moment to, to celebrate right away or to be excited right away, I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really powerful. And I, what strikes me as talking with you as opposed to all the other tremendous women that we've interviewed, um, is, is that you, uh, speak about your experience very articulately. 
as though you have spent 19 years unpacking it and assessing it and getting to know two two adults. Oh my gosh. Right. As people. Right. And and how that changes and evolves. That's really hitting me. I'm starting to cry right now. But like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's this idea that um that you've been able to look back at that moment in your life with um, a, a really just layers and layers of perspective that other moms haven't. And I, I hope that for moms listening, that that brings them a lot of hope because I see it sitting with you. And I see that those feelings, which were really complex, were obviously very powerful and still have weight for you. But I also see that you're very confident in who you are and have a lot of self-wisdom and self-confidence in and, and know who you are now, Right. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to give any mom out there false hope because at that moment, I didn't know that those were the feelings right. that I was having. So I think you're right on, Martha, is, you know, you you care for your babies first because that's what's natural or that's what came natural for me. That's what mm-hmm. came natural for me was to care and to provide and to care for me or what I was going through, I didn't, Mm -hmm. didn't even know that I was supposed to be doing that. I didn't even know how to do that. Mm -hmm. I had incredible women in my life. I had, I have a mom who set the bar very high for motherhood for me and continues to, and supported me very much. I had a sister who was a brand new mom three weeks prior to my twins. being Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I have aunts who are, just strong, wonderful women and love me and my husband and my family unconditionally. But none of them are NICU mamas. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just a difference there. There just is. They, the support was unwavering and necessary and needed, but there was an element there that I was missing. And that's where, you know, when I think of dear NICU mama and what you are doing it's a mission that's leaving a legacy because Mm -hmm. I didn't have that mission or legacy to even know that I needed it. I guess Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. I didn't know we didn't have blogs. We didn't have support groups. We didn't have really, we didn't, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have the internet. We kind of had caring bridge. Um, We have books. We had different things. We didn't have, a group that we could hop on and find, yeah. you know, I couldn't search NICU mom support group or, mm-hmm. you know, it really wasn't there. And that's something that looking back, it's so essential to the health and the mental health of moms that mm-hmm. are in it in the moment. So yes, that hope and that, that feeling of where you are 19 years from now versus where a mom going through it right now, it's a big, big journey. It's a, it's it's windy and it's weavy and it's complicated and it's unpackaging a lot of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, when I hear you talk about, you know, um, not feeling like a mom and like, like owning that title yet, it, I resonate with that so much too, of just like, it, it feels so vulnerable to give yourself that title in that moment. And it's kind of this moment of self-protection and we don't even know we're doing it until we come home and we're like, oh, I haven't even given myself the moment to call myself mom yet or, you know, like have that moment. And so I resonate with that as well of just like it's this way to kind of protect our heart, even though we don't even realize that we're doing it. (laughs) Right, right. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to put so much trust in people around us that maybe you don't you know, if you're able to carry full term and go home, you don't have the opportunity to um, build relationships with these incredible women and men that are caring for your children because you mm-hmm. can't at that moment. And and that trust factor, you know, learning to trust through the process was you are trusting a complete stranger to mm-hmm. care for your child. And I think something that always makes us giggle a little bit is we found that we trusted them so much so that it was the 4th of July and, and we just, we just lived at the hospital. We just didn't leave. We just, mm-hmm. made the, that was just what worked for us and what made us feel the most comfortable during that time. And 
um, our lead nurse, Jaina, she looked at us and she goes, you guys, you need to go outside and you need to go for a bike ride. We just need to get some fresh air. We looked at him and we're like, okay. We walk outside, we get to our car and we look at each other and we're like, we don't own bikes. And like, well, then we're going to go to Target and buy a couple bikes. Let's go for a bike ride. And that's what we're going to do because we trust that he's telling us what we need right now in this moment. So, you know, they just, it, it's just, there's, there's so much to, you know, remember and, and look back on and, and those nurses become such a huge part of your life. And, and that trust factor with them is, is paramount to making it through. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we talked about kind of the hills and valleys of, of where, of their journey in the NICU, um, and not to gloss over it, because I'm I know there's like so much that happens during that time. Um, you talked about it a little bit about how you you know things changed before and after you came home. But w- w- what was it like when you were able to get home? Were they able to come home at the same time too? Like that's another big big consideration when you have multiples. It is. We were very fortunate to be able to bring them home on the same day. We, mm. um, you know, your NICU journey goes from the NICU and then we were in a level two and then we were in um, just more of like a, a, not a different version of a level two nursery. And some of those moves had to be made at separate times. And that in itself was just really difficult to know, yeah. you know, one baby was on this floor, another, your other baby was on this floor, but we were able to take them home at the same time. Uh, very fortunate. They came home on uh, apnea machines and that was all and that didn't last more than a few months where we monitored, you know, their breathing. Um, and it was almost, you feel like you're starting all over again because Mm -hmm. you're in this brand new environment. You are all of a sudden where you're exactly where you want to be, where you Mm -hmm. worked to get to for 80 days, you know, home, you're home. And again, that's supposed to feel so good and that's supposed to feel so right and that's supposed to feel so normal, if you will. But nothing about the journey is, is well, nobody's journey is ever the same, no matter what path you take to get where you are. But it was just never, you kind of waited for that moment to just take that exhale mm-hmm. and that breath and that, okay we're parents, we're doing this, we've got this, this is what it looks like. And there were moments of that in, you know, that journey, but the culmination of all of that really just, it, it took time yeah. and, and time is okay. You know, looking back on that, it took the time it needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So again, one of the reasons that we're so excited to have you on the podcast is because you are an in quote older veteran Nikki mom. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, and many of us are still kind of in that zero to five age range. And so it's always just really incredible to hear from mamas who have just, you know, like Martha said, been able to look back on their journey 19 years later and really reflect. And one thing that comes up in our Facebook group a lot, and I know Martha and I are experiencing on the daily is just number one, the ways that they surprise you every day with the way that they reach those milestones, you know, overreach those milestones sometimes take a little bit longer in those milestones but also just how fast they grow up right. and how the NICU just slowly but surely feels more and more like a a distant memory even though it's so close to you right. yep. and so I wonder what you know you would have to say or share about just what it was like to see your kids reach these milestones you know they their first preschool they go to elementary school then mm-hmm. middle school then high school and now college and so you know what what is it like for you to look back on their lives and see just where they started and who they've become today and and, and you know what would you say to the mamas who are you know anticipating those big milestones themselves right yeah i you know um when i when I really think back to milestones, um, kind of some of those emotions become evoked in become alive again because you're they gave us an adjusted age. Is that still what they yep. refer to it as? Mm-hmm. An adjusted age. So you kind of waited for that moment, like, okay, at two, things will will maybe look a little bit 
different a little bit more yeah. on target for their age. So those first two years were so important to us not to define them by their age, yeah. but to define them by their adjusted age, because Amen. it really helped us <laughs> embrace those moments mm-hmm. and celebrate them. So if they didn't walk until 14 months, well, that's okay, because that was when they were adjusted and when they would have normally been. And that's just a small example. I mean, it's a broad range of when you can start walking, I recognize. But as an example, it was just really important to embrace their adjusted age and be Mm -hmm. mindful that they were going to reach these milestones when they were ready. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being in the NICU and the nurses saying, you know, just you wait until this moment or just you wait until you're going to wish... Mm-hmm. you know, this and that. And and I reflected so many times on those moments because they did come and they came fast and they came furious and they came with a lot of happy tears because mm-hmm. you are at the forefront of a moment oftentimes when you're a NICU mama and you recognize this could have looked a lot different for us. This mm-hmm. could have not been a moment for us. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something we really want to celebrate. So we maybe over-celebrated some <laughs> moments and milestones in in life, um, but that's what we wanted to do. We yeah. we a, a lot of happy tears because mm-hmm. it, there's a sense of pride that goes into this. You yes. know, yeah. um, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but you're, you're truly a survivor. You, you really are when you're able yeah. to come out of this journey or come out of pieces of the journey because it's for many people it's it's a lifelong journey I recognize that um but they're very um I I guess just exciting to recognize that our one pound 15 ounce and two pound half an ounce are maybe recognized on the all-state team for soccer or Mm. all-state team for football or got an A on a test. And you just don't take those moments for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for Lydia and Cooper, what we really wanted to help them understand is where Troy and I got to the point was we didn't allow the NICU process to own us. Mm. but we most certainly allowed it to help define us. Mm. And I think there's a big difference there. Yeah. Because by letting it own us, we would have allowed it to control us and to let it define our our destiny or maybe the journey or the way things were. But rather than taking a part of that journey and calling it ours and helping it or or in, in choosing to allow it to help us um, in our parenting or mm-hmm. as a wife, as a husband was really powerful. So we yeah. kind of took back control of the entire journey. And again, be mindful. I'm 19 years into this. That didn't happen the month yeah. after I came out of the NICU. That's just yes. part of yeah. the the process for me. Yes. Wow. And you, I even think about um, even further, I mean, technically, the twins are maybe closer in age to how old you were when you had them, right? Than they were, right? Yeah, we were. I was 24. So oh my yeah, goodness. we just talked about that recently. Like, wow, I could be a grandma in like five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which crazy. is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So much happens in such a short period of time, right? With kids. It and, does, yeah. And um, when you look at them and, and kind of what I was alluding to before, I think so many of us NICU moms really struggle with the idea of control, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. So like, first of all, we entered in life just like any other parent and we hit maybe more so than others, the stark realization that our children's lives don't belong to us. We're absolutely responsible for their safety and security as much as we can be, but they're their own people. And we also can't control other things in the world, um, try as much as we would like to, Um, you know, hashtag Lysol wipes. But um, (laughs) there is this huge kind of milestone that you reach, which is the kids have graduated high school and they've gone to college. And that is such a specific time in their lives where they're finding out who they want to be, you know deciding what they want to do for their lives, moving out, making new friends, maybe, maybe falling in love and, 
and having twins of their own, you know, uh, Nana ja- Jamie. We'll right. give we'll give them way more than five years, but right. <laughs> to ten years. Yeah, thank you. You'd be like the young youngest grandma in history. Um, <laughs> but the um, you know, looking at all those things, how did you meet that milestone? This big this coming of age experience with them. How did you meet them? Because they're two individuals. Um, and how did it feel for you? You know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a very rewarding moment to be where I'm at right now, because Mm -hmm. we all as parents work really hard to do the best we can for our children. And I think as NICU parents, NICU mamas, we might put in just a little bit more, (laughs) whether it's emotions, energy, um, thought process, advocacy, education, like you did. All those things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. So to get to this moment where I have preemie adults, rather than preemie babies, rather than preemie kindergartners. You know, I remember kind of that moment when you're going to the well checks or you're maybe out of town and you're ending up in the ER for some reason. And it was that question, well, do they have any underlying health concerns? And I always feel they were 26 weeks, they were preemies. Well, I remember graduating from that and, and maybe not giving that information, mm-hmm. you know, every time. I went at a certain point, you know, you do, you right. do, you're able to reach, I was able to reach that with my two. And mm. it's this, oh, you know, kind of like this, you throw your shoulders back a little bit more, you get a little bit more confidence in yourself as a mom and your kids see it too, you know, that mm. you, they recognize, again, they're not going to be defined as a preemie. Mm-hmm. but it's going to help define who they are. Yes. And when they left for college, you know, like you said, a lot of new, a lot of crazy new, a lot of changes, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I shared with them was you knew how to survive before you even knew that you knew how to survive. Mm-hmm. If you can do what you did the first few days of your life, these days are nothing. You've already done it. You've already got it. You have it within you. You do. You might have to dig a little deeper because now you know you have to dig deeper, but you're already a survivor. You're already there. You have it in you. Yeah. You've done it. Do it again. You know, just do it again. Yeah. This isn't one of the questions, but I wonder if you could just say, having seen 19 years of growth in your kids, um, looking at Lydia and Cooper, these beautiful people, for each of them, what is something or a trait about them that you you love so much? Um, I love Lydia's love for the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's like nothing I've ever seen or witnessed or been able to maybe necessarily experience myself as 45 year old. Um, I love Cooper's resiliency. Mm. I love how he can get up and move on from something, be it a challenge or a um, moment that he didn't allow to define himself. Mm. Um, We as parents, if we sit back just enough, not too much, because we still have to be parents, <laughs> and, and watch what happens from, you know, babies to 19, babies to 16, whatever, we will learn more from our children than they will ever possibly be able to learn from us. Mm-hmm. And I know that's somewhat cliche, but I can confidently say that at this point, um, And I think the reason that is, is because as humans, we're just, we're never done learning. So when we open our hearts to learning from them, it's -hmm. a really beautiful thing. Jamie, you are just 
You are something else. Aw. Oh, my goodness. You are such a mother to many. I feel very mothered in this conversation. I don't know about (laughs) you, Martha. Uh, I feel very mothered. I also feel like I'm in an 80s music video right now. This lighting is awful. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> You're very sure. pink and um, glowy right now. I look like Pat Benatar. Um, I want to circle back to something as we kind of get closer to the end of the episode. And you talked about how the NICU doesn't own you, but it, did you say defines you or defines part of your journey? Right. Yep. Um, so as you look back on this sneaky journey. I love that metaphor of how like it, it doesn't control you and it gets to be this beautiful part of your child's entrance to the world and your journey to becoming a mom. So as you reflect on that, how has your NICU journey shaped you as a mother? And, you know, what qualities has it produced in you that um, you can reflect on today? I think a couple of the biggest ones are, um, I am not embarrassed to admit that I'm incredibly dependent in a really good way on Troy, my husband. Yeah. I We make a really great team and I depend on him for a lot of things. And I did early on. I was fortunate enough to marry my high school sweetheart. I mean, he was my best mm-hmm. friend, is my best friend and somebody who I rely on quite heavily. Um, going back to talking about being an advocate, I wonder if I ever would have learned how to um, certainly not have my own voice because it was never that I don't have my own voice, but the confidence to mm-hmm. speak my voice. Mm-hmm. When you're as passionate as passionate can be because it's relating to your children, really nothing holds you back. You're not going to mm-hmm. not ask a question because maybe you're scared to ask it or maybe because you're nervous to speak to a doctor or something like that. It, there's no barriers at that moment. Mm-hmm. There were no barriers for me at that moment because they were my everything and I was going to do anything to make yes. sure they were okay. So finding that strength inside of me to be yeah. an advocate and it carried me through many things, you know, yeah. that mom gut, that mom instinct, it, yeah. it kicks in. And then you have that strength within you to advocate for your child, whether it's an issue at school, a medical issue, no matter what it is, it's that, mm-hmm. that, that kind of that kind of fight that yes. you get by being being in that environment. And that's not a negative thing. It was a very positive thing for me to find that. I didn't have to fight with others. I just found a fight inside of me mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah. And then I think trust. I I learned to trust a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um and trust isn't always one of the most easiest thing, one of the most easy things to do in life. And I find myself, you know, looking back at if I can trust somebody I've never known, granted, they're highly educated, they have a lot of experience, but when emotion is a part of that, those things seem to not matter as much when you are the mom or when you are the patient, how do you trust somebody else to do what you naturally feel that you should be doing Mm -hmm. yourself. Um, So, you know, trusting the process, trusting those around me, certainly we had to go through, I've kind of made their journey seem a little seamless from a health perspective. And although we were very fortunate and didn't have a lot of setbacks, you know, you certainly had to go through the hearing and the vision tests Mm -hmm. and the wondering and the waiting on those adjusted ages and the, do you send them to kindergarten? Don't you send them to kindergarten (laughs) kind of things. And, and having that trust and that, that, that strength and that advocacy inside of you, those were two things that really guided a lot of those decisions for me. Mm -hmm. And I think also with my other two children play a part in who I am as a mom, you know, trust those around you, um, advocate, for those you love and just be open to that strength and that emotion that comes from being a mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. It's also great, like wonderful advice for, Mm -hmm. for, for moms themselves, Nikki moms themselves to really take in and hear. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jamie, you're very wise. And we are friends on Facebook. So I get to see 
pictures of your family. And one thing that I've just seen just from your daughter's posts and, you know, your posts of your kids is just how close knit your family is. And it's been really fun to see, um, even when Lydia went off to college to see your cute messages back and forth of like, I miss you, like, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. that's just so special. And so just kudos to you, Jamie, for just being such a remarkable woman, but also just a phenomenal mother. And you can tell in the ways that your kids have grown and become the people that they are, that you played a very, very big role in that. And so thank you. Um, that means a lot. <laughs> Martha, do you have any um, final questions or thoughts before we close out? Maybe, you know, the only thing I can think of, and we normally ask this of our, our Nikki mom friends is if you had one, just one final nugget of either um, encouragement or support for Nikki moms who are just in the thick of it. Maybe they stumbled upon this podcast the day after they delivered, right? What yeah. would you say to them? Yeah, I, there's a few things that I would say. I would say dig deep to find the blessing and the burden because this is a burden. This is going to be hard, um, but you're going to be blessed and do what you can to find them or to at least promise yourself that when the time is right, you'll find the blessing because mm -hmm. it will help you heal. It will help you move forward and it will just help you be content when you recognize this wasn't all for naught. This moment is here for a reason. Um, and you, you will, you will be okay. You will mm -hmm. be okay. Journal if you can, because it's not only very therapeutic, but I was looking back on our journal, which this will date you guys. It's a round <gasps> little oh. our first 80 days that Troy kept. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> and there were moments in there that I, I forgot. My kids yeah. didn't even get to wear clothes until one right. month after they were born. Right, you right. know, those little pieces that mm -hmm. you want to remember and you want to yeah. share. And yeah. they might not be as, you know, prominent in, in the, the journey or getting them to where they need to be. But they're really moments that you can look back on. Yeah. And I think finally, I would just say, give yourself grace wherever that is needed allow yourself to have that grace. And it's going to look different for everybody. Somebody's grace might be that they need an ice cream break. Mm -hmm. Do it. Give yourself the grace. Some of it might be that you just need to cry and do that. Allow yourself to have grace for you and your emotions and what you are feeling. It's mm -hmm. so important to not suppress the emotion and the moment and what you are living through at that time. Mm -hmm. And by giving yourself the grace, you have some freedom to exhale mm -hmm. and to acknowledge. And those are really important things when you are in the moment of being a NICU mama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, Jamie, we could talk to you all day. I feel so calm. <laughs> I just feel so relaxed. I wish we could be sitting across from each other at a coffee shop right now. Um, but we just want to thank you so much for just being so vulnerable. And I know to look back 19 years, can t it takes a lot of um, heart effort and you really have to dig deep and reflect. And we know that that's not necessarily easy work either. And so we're just so grateful for your vulnerability and for being so transparent with our community. And I think I can speak for all of us, all of us that um, you're just a beacon of hope for all of us. Um, it's so, oh God, why am I such a crier? Whew. Um, <laughs> it's so powerful to connect with moms like you who can look back on their journeys and just be so proud of their kids and where you started and where you are today and also just have such a beautiful perspective of it all. And you can just tell in this conversation the deep inner work that you've done to heal and to really see your NICU journey as a beautiful, beautiful journey. And so yeah. thank you for gracing us <laughs> with your heart <laughs> and a piece of your heart. 
And um, Lydia and Cooper are such miraculous kids and they're just thriving in the world. And that really is a testament to who you are. And so thank you again for being here. Um, To the mamas who are in it, know that there is hope that you can and you will get through this. And to our veteran, uh, again, quote, older NICU mamas, (laughs) we just want to also affirm that you have a place here and that your place here is um, your story is special and treasured to us. And even if you didn't have the support, then you have it now. And so the sisterhood exists for the past and present NICU mom. And it's such an honor to get to do this with all of you. So have a wonderful rest of your week and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 